So some guys are getting together, and they're going to go spend some time out at a cabin. And um, so I had, uh, we had prepared, we were getting supper together, and so we were going to meet there. We were going to gather together with this disciple group, and um, that night we were going to share testimonies, our stories, okay? So we're, we're arriving, and we're coming in, and everybody's showing up, and and so in my, in my friend's cabin in the woods, by the way, uh, he's got some stuffed animals. Okay, you guys know, if you listen, if you're a, one of those people, I, I got stuffed animals in the, in the, in the cabin, okay? Don't, don't shoot me. He got stuffed animals in the cabin. He's got, a, he's got a, a deer mount in there, and he's got a turkey, and he's got a fish that he caught over here, big fish, by the way. And um, if you're not careful, you'll miss... The rattlesnake that's mounted down here below the fish, and so guys are coming in, and and uh, and you know, I thought to myself, that snake's gonna scare somebody. So uh, so the, the guys are coming in, and 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 all of us all of a sudden I heard a screech, and and I heard whoa snake, <clears throat> and I thought to myself. Like, they saw the snake and it scared them. And I turned around and, and they're pointing, but they're not pointing at the snake that's mounted. They're pointing on the ground. There was a snake in the cabin. Listen, guys can screech like women, just so you know that. I'd like to point them out, but I'm not going to do that this morning. Because honestly and truthfully, I was laughing, so I don't remember who it was. But there's two or three of them I could point my finger at, and it would be really funny. But you know, when a snake's in the house, things don't go as normal, right? You know, if, have you ever had something be in the house, and when it's in the house, man, things just, listen, life don't go as normal. When I was growing up, I remember every once in a while during the wintertime, mom would find, there would be a mouse in the house, okay? You'd think life stops with a mouse in the house, we would all listen at night, waiting for that trap to go, got him. <laughs> now, in my house, it might be a bug, a, a bees, a wasp or something. And I mean, you think, good gracious of life, Meredith, get it out of my house. And we are so tuned in about getting certain things out of the house, and it may not be that big a deal to some people. But why is it that we are not as concerned about things of the heart? Are you with me? Let's get real just for a second. Because how many times do we allow stuff into our hearts that can not only just cause us to be nervous, but can destroy us over a period of time? Why is that? Why is it that we, we will fuss so much about a, a snake in the house, we can get him out, or a bug in the house, and we can shoo him out or kill him. And yet we allow stuff to get into our hearts and take up root, where eventually where it not only hurts us, but the people around us that, that love us. Why is it that when it comes to our hearts, we don't seem to be concerned about the activities or the attitudes that are not only cause us to lose sleep, but will destroy our marriage, as well as hold us in bondage? And eventually, hurt the relationships around us that, that we appreciate and think of so much. 
So we've been talking about our hearts. We know that Jesus said that what comes out of the mouth comes from where? So those times that we go, "Uh (laughs) uh-oh, where'd it come from? Come from a heart. Those moments that we might tend to look back and be embarrassed and it come out of our mouth and we were upset, we were angry, we were afraid, or where did it come from? It came from our hearts. And we know what Solomon had to say about our hearts because I know that all of us in here have been memorizing that over the past several weeks. I go through the house, Proverbs 4.23, what does it say? Oh, Dad, again? Yeah. Because I want us to not only just memorize it, I want us to recognize what Solomon was having to say because he said, guard your heart above all else with all the stuff that goes on and all the things that Solomon had a way of pointing out to say, listen, I want you to remember this, this, and this. But he said, above everything that I've been telling you, I want you to remember to guard your hearts. Why? Because it determines the course of your life. So it's really important for us to be reminded of that, to not become complacent, but to be on guard for specific heart issues that will not only destroy us, but others around us as well. You know, as parents, it's really great that we teach our kids about right and wrong. It's really good. But what's more importantly is that we instruct them on the issues of of the heart, to pay close attention to the things that are going on inside of our hearts. And so we've talked to this point about guilt. We've talked last week about jealousy, and today we're going to deal with the issue of anger. Any angry people out here? Anybody that are that may be anger experts? I'm not talking about the person that gets angry, but I'm talking about the person that continues to carry angry with anger with them from one season to another season because we don't want to talk just about behavior modification. What we want to talk about and focus on is heart transformation, that being really important. And you know, if it's not you that deals with an anger issue, it may be somebody that you know, somebody that you would describe. If you were to, 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 to characterize them, you would say, they're just mad. I mean, they're, they're, an, angry, they're an angry person. There are people around you that you don't necessarily want to spend time with because you never know when they may blow up like a volcano. And angry people are really good about making you think that you're the reason that they're the way that they are. I mean, they have an acceptable reason for being angry, and it's you. The reason I'm angry is because of what you did. The reason that I am angry is that that I wasn't like this before I met you. There's a reason that I'm angry. And it's easy to blame other people instead of dealing with the real source. But for the person that's dealing with anger, what I want to tell you today is that you don't have to carry that that stuff around. That there's a choice. We can get rid of it if we're willing to be honest and put in the effort. And with that thought in mind, I want you to turn to the to the New Testament, to the book of Ephesians, and we're going to talk about something that Paul had to say. We're going to focus on a few verses today. And at the end, I have a testimony that I'd like to share with you that sort of flows out of our series as I was having a conversation with somebody this past week because I would pray that you have not just heard some of the things that we've talked about and some of the things that the Scripture has to say, but I would, have, I would hope and I would pray that there's been some things that you've been trying to put into into play in your own life so that you don't get caught off guard and that your heart become full with that junk that has just a way of, of, of holding us at bay and, 
and holding us in bondage. So Ephesians chapter 4, if you would turn there. And uh, so here's Paul, Paul's writing. He's writing to the church at Ephesus. And if there was anybody that could have talked about the issue of anger, it could have been Paul. I mean, because Paul had a lot of things in his life that he could have been angry about. Lots of things as you go back and if you look at Paul's life and the things that he experienced, Paul would have been a guy that could have, he could have dealt with the issue. I mean, if there was somebody that could have harbored anger for a long period of time, it would have been Paul. But Paul, we're going to see today, says, listen, no, there's hope beyond that. You don't have to stay in that position, but there's hope. Paul didn't write these words that he, he didn't write these words that we're going to read today on a cruise or man sitting on a beach someplace, but he wrote these words while he was in prison. Why he had been placed in prison unfairly and unjustly. And he writes, he writes these words, and they say that there are four letters that Paul wrote while he was in prison, and this happened to be one of those, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, and also Philemon. And he wrote it about 30 years, and so here is the church fully at work, and now Paul is in prison for the gospel, for the sake of the gospel. And what Paul would write would be something that Jesus himself would agree with. It would be something that we find in the scriptures, the fact that we don't have to carry around anger regardless of what is taking place in your life. Regardless of what excuse that you may have, we don't have to carry that anger around with us any longer. And today, if you're wrestling with anger, you need to hear this. Because there are a lot of angry people walking around. And they're not on the outside of the church, people. They're on the inside of the church because nobody's ever told them that you don't have to carry this around. Or either they've heard it, but they've yet yet to this point been willing to get rid of it. And you may not be motivated to want to get rid of your anger, but I'll tell you this, there are people around you that are ready for it to take place. Because they are the ones that are suffering for your foolishness. They are the ones that are suffering and so if you don't do it for their sake, do it for your, or for your sake, do it for their sake this morning. Hear what the scriptures are going to have to say. And with that being said, I want you to look at Ephesians chapter 4 verse 26 and let's see what Paul has to say right out of the, right out of the shoot. Listen what he says. Verse 26, and don't sin by letting anger control you. Now he doesn't say don't be angry. But he said, listen, don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't sin. In other words, there might be those moments and those times when you get really, really frustrated and you're at the end of the rope, but the command is here is don't, it's not about don't be angry, but it says do not sin. Don't let your anger lead you into that place towards sin. Because that's what anger can do. That's what anger does. It leads us towards sin. It leads us to those places that we want to hurt other people. It leads us to those places that we want to repay evil with evil. It leads us to that place of wanting to hold a grudge. It leads us to that place of wanting to manipulate or intimidate others because of the way that we feel. And Paul says, listen, don't do that. Don't sin by letting anger control you. Again, he doesn't say don't be angry. But he says, listen, don't Let anger control you that leads you down that path towards sin. And then he comes back and said, don't let the sun go down while you are still angry. I've heard this since a child. We used to say growing up, don't let the sun go down on your... Yeah, you've heard that. Especially when you go to marriage conferences. Don't let the sun go down on your wrath, brothers and sisters. It'll just destroy your marriage. (laughs) 
And we use that in reference to, to marriage. And Paul was saying, listen, don't carry today's anger into tomorrow. And if you're experiencing anger, don't let it control you, but deal with it immediately. And we talk about it, we laugh about it in reference to marriage retreats, but let me tell you what. How many of us have carried anger to bed? Yes. You carried anger to bed over into the next day and into the next day. And I'm so glad that Meredith and I have never dealt with that. I've never been angry and carried it into the next day. If that were true, man, listen, there would be some times I'd never get any sleep at all. Because I'm a powder. How many powders do we have? You got any powders in here? Sean, I know you're a powder, buddy. You got to raise your hand. Some of you women, you're powders. Man, when things don't go, you just don't want to talk about it. And it can go on for days, can it? Mm-hmm. Yep. You done talked to the pastor this week, didn't you? You'd be surprised how many conversations I have. But what Paul is saying here, listen, get rid of anger as soon as possible. He's not talking about just before you go to bed, but he's saying, listen, don't let it hang on. As soon as possible, get rid of it. Don't hold on to it. And the implication is here is don't, you don't have to carry it around, but it's a choice. And Paul said, get rid of it as quickly as possible and don't hold on to it. You know why? Look at verse 27. Because when you hold on to it, look at what he says. For anger gives a foothold to the devil. Diablos. The accuser. The one that's prone to slander. Now, I don't know about you, but I believe in the devil. Now there are a lot of people that say they believe in God, but they don't necessarily believe in the devil. But I believe in the devil. The Bible says it. Jesus says it. I agree with it. The Bible teaches that Satan is alive and he is active on this earth and he seeks to kill, steal, and destroy. Your spouse is not your enemy, people. Your co-workers are not your enemy, people. The pastor is not your enemy, people. Your neighbor is not your enemy. But just a couple of verses later, a couple of chapters down the line, Paul would say, listen, you wrestle not with flesh and blood, but powers and principalities and rulers of this dark world. Satan, he is the enemy. And when we hold on to that anger and we refuse to let it go, guess what? It's like sitting down and saying, hey, come on in here, Diablos. Let's just sit down, have a cup of coffee, and let's just let's talk about life for a little while. Why don't you share with me what you think about this subject? Why don't we sit down and just talk about life in general? And I'll tell you what, he's a liar and he's a deceiver and he will destroy you because he's up to one thing is that he wants to destroy you and he wants to destroy your relationships. He wants to destroy your relationship with your spouse. He wants to destroy your relationship with your children. He is a destroyer. He's an accuser. And it's just so easy for us to carry around anger and leave the door open for our hearts to be impacted by Satan. And is that what you want to do? No. So get rid of it. Get rid of it because the longer you hold it on, the easier it is for to give Satan a foothold in your life. And we talked early in our series about a debt-debtor relationship. And what I, was, what I mean by that is, is somebody owes and somebody is owed. There's a person that owes, there's another person that is owed. And when you live that way, relationships will be impacted. Earlier on, we looked at the issue of guilt, and guilt says what? Guilt says what? I owe you. I've wronged you, I've hurt you, I've done something that is not right, 
And as a result, I owe you. And then last week, we talked about jealousy. And jealousy says, God owes me. Because if you really get down to the core of jealousy, and we believe that God owns the cattle on a thousand hills, and he distributes resources as he wants to distribute them, then what we're really saying is that, God, you haven't given me what I want. And because I don't have it, you're to blame. God, you owe me. You owe me. And today we're going to learn that this is what anger has to say. Anger says, not God, you owe me, not I owe you, but anger says, you owe me. That's what anger says. See, the reason I'm upset, the reason I'm mad is because you owe me. The reason that my life isn't the way that I want it to go, that it should be going, is because of you. You are the reason that I'm angry. You are the you are to blame. See, you didn't do what you said you would do. You didn't follow through. You didn't live up to my expectations or the expectations that were set. You took something from me. Hello? Maybe one of your parents walked out while you were growing up. As a result, you felt robbed of being able to have two parents growing up. Maybe it wasn't a parent. Maybe it was a a person that was close to you that got sick or even died. And now you're angry with God because you can't believe how in the world would God allow something like this to take place. Maybe it was in reference to a spouse that promised for richer, for poorer, in sickness and health till death do part. And they broke that promise. Maybe it's a child that's not performing up to your standards as a parent. Maybe it's an adult child Maybe your anger is a a result of an unfulfilled promise at work. But whatever the circumstance, anger says, you owe me. You haven't lived up to the expectations that that were set. You didn't fulfill the promise. And I will not get over it until you pay me back. And some of us are not carrying around debt from yesterday. Some of us are carrying around anger from years and years back. Accounts that were opened and they've yet to be settled. And you don't even remember where the original pain comes from. And yet there are people around you that are experiencing the blunt force of your anger. Because angry people hurt people. Whoever happens to be in the room at that moment, is in the line of fire. See, I remember, man, I, I remember I was in the lunchroom when I was in high school. Food fight. Remember that? See, we used to have good fun back in high school. And somebody hit me with something. It was the wrong thing to do. Man, I took that bun, that roll, homemade roll, off my plate, and I turned around. Listen. I slung it. I just turned around, and it was in the direction that it came from. And about the time it left my hand, a girl stood up, and, she, and it hit her right between the head, and she just went right on back. Place cleared out just as fast as you could say hello. I'm back. <laughs> I am back in class. Man, I thought, man, I done killed her, you know. <laughs> and it was back in class. I'm sitting in class knocking on the door. Is Mr. Brock in here? Mr. Brock, they want to like to see you down at the office. So I go down to the office and I got three football coaches in there. So, I, man, I was trembling. 
They got the green machine laying up on the desk. I knew I was fixing to get a butt whooping. You know what that is? That's a big deal. See, we don't whip, we don't, excuse me, we don't, we don't spank kids these days in school. Things were a whole lot better when we used to spank kids in school. But anyway, <clears throat> there's a whole other story behind that one. But anyway, so, um, so I sat down, man, I was trembling. I, I know I was sweating, and the coach said, Brock, what would you do? I said, Coach, look, I didn't do nothing. He said, Brock, look, we don't have several witnesses to know that, that you threw a deadly missile. <laughs> I said, Coach, look, somebody hit me, Coach. And I said, I just took, and she stood up, and, and they're, like, <laughs> they're like, Brock, man, this is enough to go to jail for, and I'm scared to death. You know, I didn't know what happened to the girl. And so, and then, then they start laughing. They start giggling at each other. And I'm thinking, man, this ain't funny. <laughs> and so uh, they said, well, Brock, you, you, you know, you, you're going to have to, you're going to have to pay the price. And, I, and they said, we're going to ride on this deadly assault with a UFB. I said, a UFB? What's a UFB? Unidentified flying bun. But that poor girl, she, I don't even know who she was. I can't remember now. But she got caught up in the line of fire. It's funny until you're the one that's caught up in the line of fire, right? But how many people are caught up in the line of somebody else's fire and they're angry? And they don't have anything to do with it. That poor girl didn't have anything to do with it. She just stood up at the wrong time. You know, I've seen people point fingers and say, you caused this, you made me do this, you owe me, when the source of their anger was from years past. And Paul says, listen, don't hold on to anger. And he's speaking to believers. He's speaking to believers. He's not speaking on the outside. He's speaking on the inside. And so this word is so applicable to every one of us that are here. Don't hold on to anger, but get rid of it as quickly as possible. Because if you don't, the damage and destruction that can follow is costly. It's costly. These text two verses may seem a little harsh, but may they come as no surprise, specifically when we realize exactly how much God loves us and how desperately he wants for us to, to break free from the bondage that can so easily beset us, the bondage that can so easily destroy us, the damage that Anger can bring not only for our sake, but for the sake of others. And so I want you to jump down to verse 31 and look at what he says. He says, get rid of. Get rid of. Man, that's pretty clear, isn't it? Get rid of it. You don't have to debate that. Get rid of it. And what does he say? Get rid of some. Get rid of a little bit. Get rid of a few. No, he says, get rid of all. Bitterness, rage, Anger, harsh words, slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. It's like taking out the garbage. Get rid of the garbage. Take it out. In our home, you can't leave the garbage out because if you leave the garbage outside, there's something that gets into it. It's called a B-E-A-R. And if you leave it outside, it'll get destroyed and taken all over the, the place. You'd be surprised what you can find in people's gar garbage when you go playing through it. See, it's scattered. That's what a bear does. He comes in. I got those crazy bears. So Caleb, poor Caleb's got to wake up early in the morning and take the garbage out. Because if he don't, you can't leave it outside. The bears get in my chickens. The bears get into my fruit trees. The bears get in. They busted the rubber pool when the kids were young. Tore it all to pieces. Bears get into bees. A couple of months ago, bears got in Merida's car. 
tore it to pieces. I didn't want it to be on Channel 9 News. Jess opened the door and got into the car. Now go figure that one out. Somebody said the car door was open. I said, no, man, the car door wasn't open. He had finger and nail prints on the door. We had opened up the car. Paul prints all over the side of the car. And he had scratched. And what he did is that electric door, when he, it just sort of opened up, he just whoop, he went right on in. Made himself at home. Decided he was going to take some bites and out of all the interior of her vehicle. Thinking, what in the world? Somebody go get the gun. One day, y'all may have to drag me out of jail, okay? I'm just telling you. But you're thinking, what in the world? <laughs> and it wasn't long after that, I'm thinking, man, hasn't this joker had enough fun? I'm missing one of the filters for the pool. I'm looking all over the place. I'm like, where's the pool filter? Because I have two. I alternate them back and forth. So I just, whatever, you know. I guess one of the, guy, one of the kids thought it was, oh, and just put it out, put it in the garbage can. I was out in the woods. I was cleaning up some stuff, and... Now, what in the world is that? It was the pool filter. The bear had drugged the pool filter off the porch and out into the woods. But here's Caleb. Has garbage duty in our house. But he has to take it out early in the morning at 6.30 in the morning during school time. Because you don't want to miss the garbage man. Because if you do, the garbage piles up and the garbage begins to stink. And when the garbage begins to stink, it attracts all types of critters. You're right. You got to keep it in the garage. And man, nobody wants the garbage in the garage. It's a mess. And here's Paul in prison writing saying, listen, take out the garbage. Do it consistently. Don't let it sit around and rot because it attracts bugs. It attracts varmints. Get rid of it. And you might say, well, it's not that easy. And Paul would say, it's a whole lot easier than what you think. You just need to be willing. You just need to be willing. We just need to be willing to take out the garbage. But one of the issues with taking out the garbage or deciding to let go of the anger might give the impression that, listen, if I do that, that means that I'm going to let the other person that wronged me, that owes me, I'm going to let them off the hook. And you say to yourself, that's not Fair, because they owe me and they need to pay me. And Paul would say this, getting rid of the garbage is a whole lot more important than holding on to it. Because if you don't intentionally work to get rid of it, anger will cling to us like a cockleburr. How many of you know what a cockleburr is? Yep. Some of these woods people. I called Wes. I said, Wes, probably ain't too many people going to know what a cockleburr is. Wes said, a what? I said, a cockleburr. If you grew up on the farm and you worked in the corn, you get cuckaburrs on you and they would attach to you. Wes calls them a hitchhiker. Some other different names. You may know it as a sand spur. It's something totally different. But listen, it will cling to you and does not want to let go. And the longer you leave it, the more damage it, it has. If you've ever had animals, a horse, to get cuckaburrs in their, in their mane or you get a dog that gets it in its, in its, uh, in its fur, it a cause a mess in no time. You used to get them working in the fields and they'd stick. And that's exactly what anger does. Man, it wants to cling to you, but not your clothes. But it wants to cling to your heart. To your heart. So here's Paul talking to the believers. He says, listen, as a, as a Christ follower, get rid of it. Put it off. The anger, the rage, the harsh words, the slanders, as well as any other type of evil behavior. Get rid of it. Because if you don't, it's not going to do you any good, nor will it bring glory to God. 
heard a conversation not long ago. A religious leader, a pastor, people in the community saying they didn't want to do business with them. And the reason they didn't want to do business with them is because they were an angry, hateful person. I thought, my goodness gracious, I hope never, nobody ever sees me as that. And it's easy to point a finger, but how do people perceive you in business? If you're a businessman, if you're working in the community as an employee or an employer, how do people view you? When they, when they think about you, what words come to their mind? Paul said, listen, take it out. Because I don't care what position you hold or what words you may speak. It is easy for these things to take up residence in our hearts and to do so much damage. Paul says, clean it out. Get rid of it. The garbage. And then look at what he says in verse 32. Instead, in other words, instead of holding on to all this stuff, he says, instead, be kind to each other. Tenderhearted. And then this is how we get rid of the anger. Mark, it, mark this down and circle it. Don't miss it. Forgiving one another. Oh, Pat, that's not what I want to hear. <laughs> I'm just telling you what it says. I didn't write that. You want to you get rid of anger? You want to get rid of some stuff and clean out the heart? He says, forgiving one another. But I'm the one that was hurt. I'm the one that was taken advantage of. I am the victim. And Paul says, listen. Forgive. Paul, that's not right. That's not fair. But the focus isn't on being fair, but the focus is on our hearts. Getting rid of the garbage. And Paul says forgiveness is the best way to begin that process. Just like a couple of weeks ago, we said that there is a tension that exists in that debt-debtor relationship. When somebody owes and somebody is owed, there's only two ways to deal with that tension. Number one, the debt has to be paid or somebody has got to cancel the debt. That's it. There's only two ways. Number one, somebody pays the debt that is owed. Number two, somebody's willing to cancel the debt that cannot be paid. When you are angry and you feel that somebody owes you canceling, choosing to cancel the debt, is a willful decision that says, I am forgiving what you owe. You don't owe me anymore. I'm canceling the debt, not because you deserve it, not because you've made it right, but because I choose to. Even though you've hurt me, even though you have abandoned your wedding vows, even though you haven't kept your word, I will not hold on to the bitterness and anger any longer, but I am choosing to cancel the debt because I forgive you. I forgive you. And what happens is forgiveness shuts the door on Satan. I mean, this isn't about sitting down and let's just have a little drink and talk about and hang out together. No. What forgiveness does, it shuts the door on Satan. Forgiveness says, you don't owe me anymore. The account is closed. It's paid in full. Intentional forgiveness breaks the hold of anger and bitterness that it can have and what the devil himself wants. But I've heard the stories. You have no idea what's happened to me. I understand that. And some of you have got some unbelievable stories of things that have happened in your life. Some stuff that's happened in your life that I just, I sit back and I go, my goodness gracious. There are painful stories and I get it. But Paul helps put some things in perspective in this next little statement that he says. Because sometimes we forget of where we sit. And look at what he says. Forgiving 
forgiving each other, forgiving others, forgiving each other, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. <laughs> you got a story. I know you do. I know you got a story of something, of some way that you've been wronged or hurt, but, but listen. But let's be intentional to forgive each other just as God through Christ has forgiven you. Here's the gospel. The gospel of Christ. That here it is, if we're really talking about big stories, we're talking about the fact that every one of us in this room, the Bible says, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, that all of us are dead in our sins with a debt over our head that can never be paid. But God looked down and decided through his son Jesus Christ that there was only one way that that debt could be paid and paid in full forever and ever and ever. That you would never owe me anymore. That Jesus would become the Lamb of God, the sacrifice for the sins of the world once and for all. And he did that. And he died for every one of us that are in this room. A debt that you couldn't pay. A debt that you owed. And it was paid in full. Forgiveness, just as God through Christ Jesus has forgiven you. And Jesus didn't die because of his sin. He didn't die because of his rebellion towards Rome, but he died because of our rebellion towards God. That's why he died. And he did it willingly. He intentionally did it. He wrestled. He wrestled. Is that what he should do? But he willingly gave up his life. And now you say you got a story? Forgive. Just as God through Christ has forgiven you. I'm mad. And I'm angry. But if God can choose to cancel and to close my account with all the stuff that I've done. And there's stuff that maybe people don't know, but you know. See, if God can choose to close your account. When you become to to choose to follow him as a believer and a follower of Christ, it's easier for you to maybe understand. Maybe there's, there's need to be ways that you're working on closing the accounts of others who have wronged you. And so here's Paul saying in the command, get rid of anger and do not hold on to us. When we recognize what Christ has done for us, it prompts us, regardless of the circumstance, for us to lean into forgiving others for what they've done. And the truth is, man, listen, there are some debts, some earthly debts that will never be repaid. Let's just face it. There are some things that have happened to you and other people that you know that those debts will never be settled here from an earthly perspective. The suffering and pain that's been caused, that's been brought into your life because of what somebody else has done, the innocence that was taken from you, your childhood or your reputation, the time lost, the apologies are great. But as far as my debts being covered, you can never repay some of the things that have been lost. And so Paul says, why not cancel the debt? Why not cancel the debt? Why don't you just forgive? Because when you do, what forgiveness does is it breaks the control that anger has that can so easily hold us in bondage if we allow it to. Forgiveness is like that tool that digs out the, the crud in the, in, the, in the cistern. That digs out the crud in the, in the bottom and throws it out. 
that has a way of finding its way into the crevices of our heart. That's what forgiveness does. It was confession that, that breaks the power of guilt. It was celebration that breaks the control of jealousy. And now we see forgiveness is what breaks the control of anger. And some of us here in this room, you know exactly, because you're at that place. And it may not be anybody close by. It may not be anybody that's in your, in your view or um, that's what's in your, in your line of sight, but they've become, they're the ones that's being abused because of the anger you've been carrying on from seasons past, from seasons long, long ago. And so I want to give you a few things to to maybe write down because some of you need to practice what I'm going to tell you right here. So just write these down really quickly. Some things you might want to, you might want to try if you're carrying around anger. If you're desiring to break free, number one, make a decision to acknowledge the fact that there's a problem. You know, healing begins, first of all, with acknowledgement. And for the healing process to begin, you first of all got to say, man, listen, I'm angry. I'm mad. I really don't know why, but I'm just... I'm angry. And admitting it is the first part of, of, uh, of experiencing freedom and moving towards freedom is, is acknowledgement. The second thing is to define who it was that wronged you or owed you. See, if anger says you owe me, <laughs> you got to figure who, it, who is you. If, if anger says you owe me, you got to figure out who is you in that equation. You owe me. Well, who is you? Who is it? Who is it that wronged you? And this may take a a lot of time. I mean, this may take a lot of sitting down by yourself in quiet with the Lord asking, God, where does my anger come from? Because it may be apparent from a long time ago. It may be a spouse, your kids, your boss. It may be somebody within close vicinity. It may be somebody that's far, far in the past. Because it's easy to lose sight of the original source over time. It's one of the reasons that Paul said, listen, get rid of it as quickly as possible. Take out the garbage. So avoid just looking around you, but sit down and do some business and say, who is you? Define who it is that wronged you or owes you. The third thing is determine what the wrong committed was. Why do you feel like somebody owes you? Why do you happen to feel like you've been taken advantage of? If you're angry, who is it that you're angry with? And if it's somebody... Um, if somebody was going to pay off the debt, what is the debt that needs to be paid? What's needed to clear the account so that the debt is canceled? That's probably not going to be a quick fix. Let me just tell you up front. It's not going to be a quick fix. But what is it you feel was taken from you? And Write it down. The fourth thing. After you go through all that, admitting it and, and defining it and determining it, cancel the debt. Cancel the debt. I've been to the graveyard several times with people. Several times I've been to the graveyard. I've had to go to the graveyard myself. Or I've had to sit down and I've had to write out some things. Write out on a list of things that have happened, old feelings, issues of life, debts, unpaid, that have a way of creeping up and reminding us. 
And I have to go back to the graveyard sometimes and literally dig a hole and put it in the grave and bury it. Some of you have maybe heard paying off the debt, you burn the, burn the note. You've got to bury it. You've got to burn it. You've got to get rid of it. You've got to decide to bury the hurt and the pain, no more allowing the past to control you. I remember taking a guy out, and he said, man, where are you, why are we, why are we, what are we doing here? What are we doing in the graveyard? I said, there's some things you need to bury. Carried a shovel along with me. He said, man, you're crazy. I said, no. I said, you need a visual reminder that, that every time you get to thinking about this mess, you need to go back to the graveyard and remember where it was buried. Just be careful where you dig, okay? Breaking free begins with a choice. And here's the last thing is this. Continue to pray for the person that has hurt you. <laughs> Continue to pray for the person that has hurt you. It's so easy to fall back into that pattern. I mean, it's easy to say forgive. Man, it's, no, listen, it is a battle because Satan does not want you to forgive. And he does not want you to forget. They are willful acts. Making um, forgiveness a habit of choice. And I say a habit of choice, not just a one time, but you got to make forgiveness a habit of choice so that my heart doesn't get clogged up with all that plaque and all that other junk. And I'm not going to hold on, and I'm not going to seek to get even, but I will forgive as I have been forgiven. And that ticks the devil off because he doesn't like unity in the body of Christ. See, some of you are at odds, and it may be somebody inside of the body. You need to go to them, and you need to work through some of this stuff. I didn't say it, but I believe it. And Paul said it. Jesus agreed with it, and that's good enough for me. So let me ask you the question. How's your heart? And how's your heart? Everything all right? Mad at anybody? You're holding on to anything, refusing to let go because somebody owes you? Any others around you being affected by your short fuse, by, by your bitterness? Anybody around you being affected because of the junk of your past? Things that you've been holding on to and simmering like a pot on the stove, just waiting to boil over at any moment in time? Decide to acknowledge it. Define who it is. Who is the you? Determine what the wrong was committed and what you feel that they owe you. Cancel the debt willingly. Continue to pray for the person that has hurt you. I wanted to see if Mike would come just for a minute or two. Mike's de Gaulle. And uh, Mike and I had a great conversation because I think that so many times it's easy to walk into a service and you bring your Bible, and man, man, that's great. I hear what Jesus is saying, and walk out, and you totally forget everything. I mean, even when, the, even when the Lord speaks to you, sometimes we're just fearful, and we just don't do what we should do. And so um, in a conversation with Mike the other day, I was asking Mike, I said, Mike, I said, How, how's your life? How's things going? Um. Has this been a significant series for you? And, and, and Mike began to tell me, and I thought it was so impactful because what Mike's story is, 
is that there are some things where Mike in his life carried around guilt for an awful long time. And they, the stories sort of, go, sort of go together, don't they, Mike? <clears throat> because it was not only just guilt, but there was also a time of, of anger. And Mike, I don't know how much you want to share, but um, tell us, your, let's start off with your story of guilt. For 15 years. I know everybody's hungry. <laughs> so I'll uh, try to keep this condensed. Early in my life, I was about... 30 years old, and I'm 70 now, so that was about 40 years ago. I worked for a company called Bridgestone Tire and Rubber. And I met a gentleman that was in my area, a, a large tire dealer. And I became friends. And uh, I left Bridgestone because my uncle convinced me that I needed to come to work for him to get me off the road and to be with my family. My uncle was everything to me as a young boy. He was five years older than I was. He was the youngest and I was the oldest. Five years. I went everywhere with him and did everything with him. He was everything to me. So I trusted him and I loved him. And when he said, come with me, I'll take care of you, I left the security of that and went to work with him. The person in Tennessee that I had become friends with, the large dealer, said he would sell me tires cheaper than the other dealers in the area could buy them for. So I op we opened up a wholesale division. And I was running that. And it was quite profitable. The gentleman in Tennessee gave us a credit line. I shook his hand. And back then, a handshake was everything. I shook his hand. I said, Jimmy, I'll pay you everything I owe you if something should ever happen. So he sent my uncle, who was the owner of the company, I was just an employee, a personal guarantee for me to sign. Oops. He said, not to worry, Michael. Not to worry. We're good. Financially, we're good. Don't worry about it. Just sign it and we'll go on. So, life lesson, I signed it. Things were going along very well. We built up a line of credit, and we had a large balance with this tire dealer. Large, six figures. One day I come to work, and I had bought 100 truck tires to sell someone down in Tampa, and I had them marked, do not touch. I came into work. They were gone. My uncle had sold them to another person and left me hanging. A week later, he comes to me and says, we're filing bankruptcy. We're closing the business. What? Yeah, we're, we're closing the business. I'm filing Chapter 11, and you need to do the same thing, and we'll get out from under this personal guarantee. Well, 
I had shook this man's hand as a personal friend of mine, and I said, Barry, I'm not going to do that. I said, I will pay every penny back to this man because I shook his hand and told him I would. Well, he went on to file bankruptcy, and I didn't. I sold my home. I emptied my savings. I borrowed money from my wife's parents, my parents, and I called Jimmy up in Tennessee, and I said, Jimmy, there's two of us, and I'm not even an owner here, but I made you a promise. I said, if I pay half of what we owe you, will you release me from this personal guarantee? And he said, yes, I will. Now, let me stop you for one second. Okay. I want you to understand the, what happened here. I want you to see the fact that somebody owed and somebody was owed. I want you to see the fact that there was a debt that was involved and there was only two choices. Number one, to pay the debt or to ask for the debt to be canceled. Are we on the same page? Okay. I want you to hear how this worked. But it began, the healing began, the process began in reference to guilt with confession. All right? First of all, he had to admit it. He had to confess it and say there's a problem. Not try to run from it. But for the healing to begin, he had to confess it. That was a big deal. This even involved family members. Okay, so keep going because it's not done. Okay, real quickly. 20 years went by that I never spoke to him. And I was carrying it right here. I'd see him at funerals, I'd see him at weddings, I'd, I'd avoid him. I didn't want to talk to him, I was very bitter. He had ruined a relationship with a gentleman I had in Tennessee. He cost me every dime I had to get this debt paid. So I was bitter. So for 20 years I didn't talk to him. And I went to my wife one day, I said, honey, I said, this is just killing me. I said, my heart is heavy. I don't feel right. I, I need to do something. I said, I need to get this off my heart. So I called him up, and we met for lunch. And I said, Barry, I've been carrying this grudge for 20 years. But my heart is hurting so bad, I can't carry it anymore. And at that point, I released it. I can't tell you how well I slept that night. Because I had cleared my heart, he had accepted it, we made amends, and to this day we chat, we go to lunch, everything, but once I released that anger, my life turned around and God was so gracious to be able to let me let that go. All right, so let's stop here for a second. Second thought was an issue of anger. You with me? There was a fact that Mike was owed something. Mike said, you owe me. You did me wrong. You hurt me. You caused my reputation to be put at, put at stake. You hurt my relationships with other people. We on the same page? You owe me. His uncle didn't pay the debt. There's only two ways to solve it. Pay the debt. Cancel the debt. Mike said, look, regardless of what you're willing to do, 
I'm going to cancel the debt. Because my relationship with you is more important. And I don't want to live for this junk in my heart any longer. I don't want to do it. I don't want to carry it around. What would you, anything else that you want to say? And what would you say to the people here that may be dealing with jealousy, guilt, or anger? Very simple. Do not carry it. Pay it. Clear your heart and get right with the Lord that you have done the right thing. And your life will be so much richer if you do that. Thanks. Now, now, now you can, just stay right here. You can make the choice to carry it around. You can make the choice to carry it around. Be a nasty old bitter church person. You can make that choice. Or you can choose to forgive and experience life and freedom from the bondage. Here's the invitation today. As a Christ follower, because he was talking to believers, what is it that's in your heart that needs to be dealt with? Is there an issue that needs to be handled? If so, we've tried to give you the tools every week. But at the bottom line, regardless if the debt is paid, you have the ability to forgive the debt. It's a choice. you got to make that choice. So how will you respond some of you need, might need to get on and make a phone call today. Say, can I, can I meet with you? Can I talk with you? Might need to send an email. There's some people that cannot go back because people have died. People have, um, you don't know where you can't find them. Write it out. Go take it to the graveyard and bury it. Some of you might need to have a bonfire and just write those things out and put them in the, put them in the bonfire and just let them go and say just as a reminder, a visual reminder. But Satan wants to hold you in bondage. Do not let him do that. Don't let him do it. For those of you that don't know Christ, it's impossible for you to forgive until you recognize what Christ has done for you and the price that was paid on Calvary 2,000 years ago so you didn't have to carry this around. And today, if you don't have a relationship with Christ, what is it that keeps you from receiving the greatest of all gifts that was ever given. Scripture says, teaches us, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him would not perish but have eternal life. God loved and he gave us something that only he could give. He gave us eternal life through his son Jesus Christ. The only thing we have to do is, is, is believe it. Believe Jesus, who he was, what he came to do, and receive it, to trust him. And in the moment that you say, Jesus, I will, the Bible says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You have the ability to experience new life in Christ. So I asked our overseers that are here today if you would come and stand. And as we close out today, as I pray for you, Today, if you need to come and to pray one of, the, one of these overseers, Dan, if you would even come as well and stand. Johnny, if you would even come and stand. I'd like for you and Mike, if you would come and stand. Maybe you're here today and you just want to pray with somebody before 
it closes, you, you come today. Maybe you don't come to one of these guys that are standing here. Maybe what you need to do, make sure before you leave today, you tell somebody, man, there's something that I'm dealing with. Would you pray for me that I'll be faithful? Would you pray for me? We don't have to carry it around. but We can take out the garbage, Mike. I've seen a lot of older people on the verge of death that are bitter and angry. And it's not because of dementia or any other issue. It's because of bitterness in their heart. This man here ain't like it. If you know anything about him, he loves Jesus and he loves people. But only because he's been willing to take out the garbage. Let me pray over you. Father, what a blessing it is to be a part of a church that just doesn't want to deal with the surface things. But God, we want to deal with some of the hard things. In the simplicity of this, there are so many complications. And God, would you help us to work through, to come to that place of trusting you, to recognize that we can only forgive because of the fact that you've forgiven us. Help us to not be fearful of identifying and sitting down and taking some time. For some, it may take a long time to really go back and see where the source of anger truly comes from. Help us to not be afraid of taking those moments away, to sit down and just to... To, to do some business with you and to write down some things. There are some people here that need to take out the garbage. Help us to do that. If it's burning it in a fire pit, if it's taking it out and burying it and saying, this is a reminder that I have let it go. I'm not holding on it to it. And I'm not going to hold on to it any longer. May we do that. If there's somebody that needs to go to somebody, may we be faithful to do that. But help us to not be fearful, but to be excited about breaking free from that junk that can just hold us in bondage. And for the person that may be here today and doesn't know Christ as their personal Savior, there is no way that they can walk through these efforts of forgiveness unless they themselves first understand what Jesus has done for us. Remind us of that. If there's somebody here today that's never trusted Christ, even this morning, would they come to me or one of these overseers, these adults that are standing here, and when they may, may they even be willing to say, would, would you teach me or tell me more how I can come to know Jesus? Send us out into this community to have, a, to, to have an impact, to make a difference. Father, I pray that others would see Christ in us as we are your ambassadors. May there be a sweet fragrance to our lives and to our attitudes as we live and as we work and as we play. And may those attitudes not just be on the outside, Father, may it even be on the inside of our homes and in our our churches. We pray for our brothers and sisters in Christ and thank you for these shoes that have been given for as we celebrate and as we partner with, with uh, Hope Community and, and Pastor Don. I pray that these shoes will be used to, to minister and to, uh, to, to bring um, healing to people, not only physical but emotional and spiritual, that others would come to know Christ as a result of the generosity. Thank you, Father, for hearing us today. We are blessed to be called your children. What a privilege it is. Help us to live in freedom today. As your ambassadors, in Christ's name, we pray. Amen.